What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Monday, June 21st, a couple days after the LA Galaxy had a tough loss against the Seattle Sounders, but it was it was it was a fun time uh, getting in, going going to the game full capacity. Uh, we're going to talk all all about that, but I want to introduce my guests. We got back again. We got Total Galaxy. And for the first time ever, we got Everything Galaxy. He runs, uh, you know, Everything Galaxy on, on social media, on Instagram. Uh, how are you guys doing, Alex? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm a little hot here, but hey, I, at least I, I do look nice for the show. So I'm glad about that. You're looking smooth. Uh, Micah, how you how you doing, man? You do a great job on, on Instagram covering the Galaxy. I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. School just got out, so... Yeah, so to, working on the assignments. I, I want I want people to get to get to know you a little bit. Um, tell us because I know you you're not based in LA. You're 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 based in Atlanta. Tell us um wh- why why your love for LA Galaxy started and why you're not an Atlanta United fan. <laughs> um, so I, don't know, I guess I'll just get into my story. Uh, in like 2012, I got into watching soccer, um, in general. So. Usually my dad would have on the Premier League, and then immediately what would happen is the big-time games. Um, so on NBC, they'd usually have, like, Portland versus, like, Galaxy. That was, like, one of my first games I watched. And then I just kind of, like, fell in love with, like, the stars. Um, carried through the Robbie Keane, Jossie Zardes, those terrible 2017 years. Um, and, then, and then I went to my first LA Galaxy game on the road in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium that they have in Atlanta. Um and really got to see the players for the first time. I got like Chris Pontius's um, signature. I don't know how I did that. He just came up from the bench, and I, I had a signature. That was like when my love started. I started the Galaxy account, everything else Galaxy that you see, and really it just took off from there. So just love this team. Love communicating with everyone, whether it's social media accounts, whether it's fans, whether it's everyone. Just love the community. That that's amazing, and uh, tell me tell tell me a little bit more. Like, why why you like why you stuck with they? Why you haven't switched over uh, to Atlanta United? Um, well, if you guys haven't heard, there's Atlanta United fans, and they're just pain in the butt. They're awful. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I just love this team, and, and whatever I comment on a post, I truly love this team. I fell in love with it. Um, I love I love the fans, and I'll tell you that there's no other MLS team in the in the world that really just cares as much as these fans. And just seeing that from from afar, from on TV, the excitement that the games bring that everyone has, it just it just inspires me to continue loving this team. That, that's amazing to hear. Um, so who who's who's been your favorite player throughout the years with the for the LA Galaxy? You know, I'm a big Alessandrini fan, of course, for my club. I play right winger, so I love just his his personality, his his moveset, his um, abilities on the field. So I, I love Alessandrini. Wish he could come back right now. Tell me, tell me, um, how old are you? Because I, I know people are, we got a young crew, which is good. It makes makes us makes me feel a little old. But how old are you? Uh, I'm 18. I just graduated uh, high school a couple weeks ago. Congrats! Congrats! That's amazing, Alex. Um, you're also you're also a pretty young guy. You're looking spiffy. Tell us tell us why y'all dressed up. I, I know it's I know it's a live show, but tell me why y'all dressed up. Uh, 
just dressed to impress and I just got got back and I just wanted to look nice, you know, as well. Just add on the tie, you know. Just look nice. <laughs> Love to talk soccer with anybody, and I'll do it looking kind of classy-esque. Made it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, look, you're out doing this here. I wasn't expecting the tie, but I love I love the commitment. You're looking good, man. I'm a very um, committed man. You are. You are. You are. You very are. So I, I, another thing, when I, I got to go to the Galaxy game, right, this this Saturday, it was amazing. You know, it was, it was different atmosphere. I got there, like, around 4.30. The game was at 6, and I got there. I feel like I got there late because – um. Everything was already going on. You know, they had the rapper Merce. He, he, you know, he was rapping. He was doing his thing. The tailgate was amazing. I got to talk to a couple of fans, um, you know, experience a little bit of the tailgate. But it, it was, it, it just, it, to me, it like brought back memories. I was like, wow, like, it, like it clicked to me. I was like, man, I remember how this used to be because as soon as I pulled up into the parking lot, it, it was already packed. And I was like, dang, there's so many people here. Alex, around what time did you did you get to the stadium? Um, due to traffic, I got there kind of late. I got there, like, I got into the stadium around, like, the six-minute mark. I saw Daniel Stairs get um carried off the field and, you know, him limping. I didn't know what was going on, so it was a whole shock for me. But, yeah, it was incredible. Um, I went to a game when they played against Austin at a limited capacity, and then comparing that to this past weekend was just amazing. All the fans there, you know, they're being loud as well. And you felt like you were late. I was actually late. So it was a crazy experience. And I, I wish I could have been there a bit longer, a bit earlier, you know, just walk around and talk to some more people. But unfortunately, I couldn't. But overall, I enjoyed coming back there. And it it, it looked it felt so good. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win. But uh, aside from that, I, I love coming back to the stadium at full capacity. Yeah, no, the thing about that, being, being back at full capacity, it was just amazing. Um, just ch- chatting with everybody and seeing everybody just, just so happy to be back, you know, back at a galaxy game and interacting. Uh, I just want to get quickly in the chat. Um, G man, he says, hi, Gio, Alex and Micah. Uh, Isaiah says LA galaxy, like my TikToks. LA galaxy G-Man. have a good TikTok account. Yeah, they, 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 do. they, they do. Probably and one of the best what? pro sports TikToks account everywhere. I see their comments almost on every other TikTok that appears on my for you page. It was just pretty funny to be honest. Yeah, no, and I know, I know the, I know the people running the account. So that, I mean, they do, they do a really good job uh, uh, with the TikToks. Micah, do you got a TikTok? I think, I think we got you on mute. I don't know. Are you, are you, are you, is your, is your microphone turned off? Did the earpods died? I think that might have been the case. I think your earpods, your earpods might have died. I don't know. Or connected to something else, you know. Or yeah, or connected to something else. Well, while you figure that out, Micah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you. There you go. There you go. We can we can hear you. So what's up, dude? You got a TikTok? Uh, no, I don't have a TikTok. I sometimes drop in on the comments, but I don't. I don't do any content <laughs> on TikTok. No, but like the thing, the thing I like about obviously you, you guys are obviously so young, but you guys are do do a great job posting about the, the galaxy information, right? The the news, the stats, and everything got going on. Um, Micah, like obviously, how did you watch this game? Um, obviously, you, you weren't at the tailgates or anything, but how do you prepare yourself for like an LA Galaxy game? Well, um, so all my experience comes on on at home. It's it's often just me sitting on my couch usually with my family sometimes. Um, but, you know, I just really – I usually have a, my MacBook next to me, watching the game, just chilling, having a good time. Um, I don't know. There's not really preparation for me to do. Um, you don't got yeah. a Capri Sun just waiting for you, ice-cold Capri Sun? 
You got the pizza coming out of the oven. Sometimes, sometimes we need it. <laughs> so, yeah. have you have you been have you been to the Dignity Health Sports Park Stadium? No, I that no. I have not yet. But I'm gonna do that in the future. I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. Well, whenever yeah, whenever you decide to come out to us, because you definitely got to go. Let us and the and the rest of uh, Galaxy Nation know when you're when you're coming out, mm-hmm. Alex. Um, let, let's let's talk about uh, a little bit about the pregame uh, festivities uh, on. Well, you, you didn't you didn't get to see most of it, but like, I feel like the Galaxy did a great job promoting this. Like, to, uh, like yeah, know, from to all Lillian. the stuff I saw from people posting, right? Uh, ACB LA Riot Squad, they were posting all that stuff on their Instagrams and obviously promoting it. Uh, Merge put out a performance and it looked pretty packed in that area as well. You know, it, it's crazy to think that that was during a pandemic. You know, I was just like, whoa, there's a lot of people there. And, and it looks really awesome as well. And then uh, just in general, you know, I, I just got a good feeling going in there. Like I said, unfortunately, I couldn't get there on time, which really sucks. But um, aside from that, it was just it was fun all the way around. From what I can tell, people seem to really enjoy the time that they had before the match. Yeah, and I, th- I think uh, that the only thing to me was that was interesting. It was like they did such a great job promoting everything um that like when we're at the stadium it felt like i think they well they sold out twenty three thousand. um i thought which is which is a big number but i, I just felt like you know there, there were some seats were a little spotty I, I don't know where you were sitting but did you did you see the same thing uh, uh yeah i i did actually um it's crazy because uh i went to the home border last year and i think that was a sold out game if i'm correct against the vancouver whitecaps that first game of the 2020 season um, this year, you know, obviously, you know, the pandemic is obviously affecting everybody's wallet, you know, in, in some certain capacity. So, I mean, I really wasn't expecting it to be sold out, but I'm surprised 23,000 people did go in there. And I'm just glad that they all came, you know, unfortunately, the stadium was impact, but, you know, people had their circumstances going on in the background. and That's something you can't really control. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking that or also maybe the ticket prices were a little too high. You know, like, because I was I was expecting it be like a full on packed packed house. Um, you know, and I was I was a little surprised. I was, I was some of the seats were a little spotty because of all, all the work that went into uh, you know promoting this. But it, it may be a little bit of both. It may be that people one are not ready to come back to a full stadium, or two they they're they're not ready to spend all that money just yet when they got other things going on, and you know they can watch it from the comfort of their home. But it, it was a great one. I mean, you had Chicharito, you had Raul Ruiz Diaz, you had the Sounders um, leading up to that. So I, I want to get into, um, you know, let's 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 talk about the let's start let's talk about the game, but let's let's talk about the lineup. Greg Vanny essentially went with the four four two. You know, he put a Kevin Cabral up there with Chicharito. He had Victor Vasquez out on the left, Sasha Klesman in the middle, all paired up with Leggett, and then Efrain Alvarez. And then the back four, you had, you know, the, the usual Villafania, Stairs, and Koulibaly got his first start, Araujo, and obviously uh, Jonathan Bond and goal. Uh, Micah, what, what were your thoughts on, on this lineup and, and what you saw from uh, Greg Ranney? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know your guys' thoughts on this, but one name that like really just sticks out to me whenever I see this is Efrain Alvarez because it's always a mystery. Where, where will he play? Will he be that right mid? Will he be that center attacking midfielder? So looking at this lineup, I was surprised that Grancia was not on the field and there was Efrain Alvarez instead. That was a question mark. I like that Koulibaly got a start. I um, also like that Cabral's playing up there with Chicharito. I wish it would have turned out better in the game, but obviously 
Um, you know, I like the lineup. I thought the four four two was effective. Um, but yeah, it just it was a little questionable sometimes. Yeah, I think I think uh, to me it caught me off guard uh, with the four four two and a, a couple of the pairings. I mean, they did great. They did. They were the better team the first half. Uh, they were they were the more you know more threatening team. But uh, Alex, give us give us your thoughts on this formation. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I think the most interesting facet of it was Victor Vasquez out on the left because Victor Vasquez isn't the fastest player. He doesn't have that much of a sprint speed. He's obviously on the older side and coming back from an injury. He played really well. I'll give him credit for that. I thought Victor Vasquez was one of the brighter players that played on Saturday. You know, his passing vision, you know, his ability to kind of just be slow things down in the midfield and find a pass here, and that was really good. But I really thought Samuel Grandier should have started in that position, maybe have Vasquez, you know, play a bit more centrally and have, you know, maybe pair him next to uh, Sasha Kleshton or maybe go back to the old formation. Um, but that was one thing that was really interesting to me, and I was I was really, like, pondering, like, why is Victor Vasquez here? You know, I know he's come off an injury, and I know he's really experienced, and, you know, he shows that he's a really creative midfielder, but I don't think he should be a player starting out on the left uh, midfield, you know. Play him more centrally, play him more as the number 10. And then uh, Mike obviously brought up Efrain Alvarez. You know, it's been a puzzle for him. You know, he's still really young, but on this Galaxy team, he's been a 10. He's uh, played out on the on the right like he did again in Saturday. So I think there's still a lot of questions left on if Vanny's sold on his lineup so far. I think he likes to experiment a lot against Brian Schmetzer. We saw that in the last game. Uh, back up north in Seattle, you had Julian Araujo playing as a right midfielder, and I thought that was kind of weird. But um, I hope Vanny goes back to the old formation because I really think it was solid and just overall it made the team uh, a lot better and utilized um, players like Samuel Grandier who came off the bench that weren't starting in this game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you hit on a lot, a lot of great points there. and I think that that's the thing that, for me, it, what made it so interesting was, was the – the pairing, uh, one, the, the Victor Vasquez on the left-hand side because we saw him tuck in a lot more during the game. I saw him, like, he wasn't playing the left wing, you know, or, you know, the left wing uh, position. He was playing more of what he naturally plays, you know, the center attacking mid, you know, the, the 10 type of role. Um, and, you know, obviously he's paired up. But one thing that, you know, I was talking with the Galaxy guy uh, yesterday and I was on their podcast, you know, um, they brought up that, the, you know, that the pairing, he went, Greg Vanny went with the strong midfield so they they could pass. You know they could, they could really pass the ball, but but to your guys' point, I was surprised that Grand Sir wasn't 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 there. And and the biggest thing for me was uh, seeing Kevin Cabral paired up with Chicharito up there, because I felt like leading up to this game when they when they played against uh, when Kevin Cabral played against San Jose Earthquakes, he was so. He was so effective on the left wing and pe- beating people on that left wing, beating defenses on the left wing. And for the majority of the part, Kevin Cabral did not show up in this game against the Seattle Sounders. I think he was trying to figure it out with, with Chicharito. I know Greg Vanny had talked about after the game that, you know, they, they did a great job during practice. Um, but unfortunately, practice doesn't, you know, you, you don't practice against the Seattle Sounders. And, you know, you aren't able to do the, you know, the same things with that. And I think Kevin Cabral, out of all of this, was the one that didn't benefit from this. Uh, Michael, what were your thoughts on Kevin Cabral in that, in that first half? Yeah, Kevin Cabral in that first half, definitely he didn't get on the ball that much. And I think that he didn't really contribute to the game as much as he should have. Um, but I, I think he's still adjusting to the physicality of MLS. I think that he got shoved off the ball, I think, I think like five times in that game which 
might be a sign that Vandy's going to play him at winger because I don't think he's physical enough. Um, so certainly let me down in the first half. Um, but yeah, it just definitely wasn't effective. Yeah. Um, talk, Alex, give me, give me your thoughts on, uh, on Kevin Cabral. Um, yeah. So I was really interested as like that as well, because I felt like Cabral and Chicharito, while they did do well in practice, I feel like they're come they're them combining during the game just wasn't there at all. I thought Seattle did really good to shut him off. And Seattle, give them credit, they are a really, really good defensive team. That's why they're number one in the Western Conference. But uh, Cabral and Chicharito, those two strikers, both being played as strikers up front, is not going to work. We saw Cabral and how effective he was in San, with against San Jose as a winger. And you kind of also saw flashes of that, too, in the game uh, against Portland. You saw that his ability to take on the wing back and, you know, make them look silly out there and the moves he has there, you know, since usually players that play at the wing back aren't really, you know, the strongest, you know, biggest guys compared to the center back of Seattle that he was facing. So that's something Vanny kind of really needs to not experiment with anymore because uh, obviously in this game it showed Cabral's not going to cut it as that striker pair next to Chicharito. Someone like Ethan Zubak could probably have done a better job, but at least we know now and the jury, you know, confirms that, you know, Kevin Cabral shouldn't be playing up that striker position, put him back as that winger where he was succeeded and looked like he was going to really uh, uh, score and get on the attacking prowess every time he was playing on that left wing. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the thing, right? It's like we, we I expected him to be be explosive, and I, this is the second time that I see Greg Vanny try, uh, you know, a different lineup, and it's against the Seattle Sounders. And I, I kind of wonder if he, you know, maybe overthinking it, maybe the Seattle Sounders already saw what they've been up to and he wanted to switch up to his to to his formation in the first half it, it most of it worked the only thing that didn't work was was the goal was getting you know getting the lead in the first half uh because it was a tight game chicharito hit the crossbar uh at one time towards the end of the towards the end of the first half and i thought it was you know it was working but i think towards the second half you know one brian smitcher got in uh he, he he knew exactly what was going on and he ended up changing things um but before we get into that i want to talk about um the first half and Chicharito. What what were your thoughts, Michael, on Chicharito? He did draw that that penalty uh, for for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, um, Chicharito. Obviously, uh, he he struggled to find his game in the first half. I think so. He had to draw it back in the midfield. And I really I really enjoyed how he how he uh, combined with them, and I thought he sped up the attack for the most part. Um. But overall, he just did not have the service to create the chances and score the goals. He had that great cross from um, Julian Rajo and almost put it away. Um, but certainly is certainly did not get the goal that we all wanted him to. Um, so I think he's, he struggled like Cabral. I think the whole team struggled in the first half. So, you know, we need more from him, but I, I can't be – I can't, I can't be mad at his efforts of dropping into the midfield. Yeah, Alex, give, give me your thoughts uh, on, you know, the what what the job uh, Chicharito did, did in the first half. Um, I thought it was pretty good. You know, obviously when you're playing against the, like a back three or back five, because that's kind of what Seattle would transition to, um, you know, depending on the wingbacks, it, it would be hard to break that down, you know, when you have three center backs basically going at you. And just also, too, Seattle are, are really tough to break down defensively. They're like, they are really well-structured. They're always in a good shape defensively, and that's why we saw, like Micah mentioned, um, him dropping back in to, you know, try to open up some more space, maybe get a center back to follow him in to 
give space for Cabral to make a run and, you know, go out of that goal. But uh, Seattle were really well-structured. Um, they were good when it came to not taking Chicharito's bait. And also he did the most he could do, you know, he, he did, you know, miss on that uh, cross from Julian Araujo, which was, I thought he should have put that in. Um, I don't know if maybe the ball might've bounced before he struck that. And that kind of made it a little awkward and that's why he missed. But um, overall, I thought he did his best for what he could do. You know, I, I, the team just needs to give him better service. And he drew a penalty, which is a good thing. And, you know, Sasha Kleschen put it in the back of the net. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, the thing that he did, right, he, he did uh, draw that penalty. So I do have the, I do have the penalty, uh, and I'll, I want to play that. Fisher gives the go-ahead. Here's Kleschen, steps into it with the right foot, scores! And the LA Galaxy take a one nothing lead entering the 22nd minute of the contest. Sasha Question from the spot. I mean, Sasha Klesman did what he did. I, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but I, when, when Chicharito drew that penalty, I was like, in the back of my mind, uh, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't think Chicharito should take this penalty. He's he's already missed a couple, uh, and I, you know, I think everybody was kind of relieved that uh, that Sasha Klesman was was taking it. I know he was asked after the game, and he said that you know Sasha was going to let. He asked Chicharito if he wanted to take it. Uh, but he, but he, Chicharito def- deferred to Sasha Kleschen to take it, and you know that that that's um, that's a true leader right there. You know, knowing that like, hey, you know, I've already missed a couple. My my, let, let's give someone else uh, another opportunity. So I like that about Chicharito that he didn't all, he doesn't always have to take. You know, doesn't always have to be the one uh, to score. And he, he also understands that hey, maybe I'm not I'm not strong at, at, at penalties. Pe- penalties may not be my thing. Maybe there's someone else on the team and. You know, I worked to the benefit. Sasha Kleschen got, got, you know, got, got them on top and also kind of gave them the momentum, you know, also gave, uh, you know, Sasha Kleschen a little bit more of uh, confidence and everything. Um, but what were your, your thoughts on that, Micah, letting, letting Sasha take the penalty? Um, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I think that as long as it goes in the back of the net, I don't care who takes it. But from a leadership point, that obviously shows that Chicharito cares about this team. He, he, he doesn't want to mess up. And I think it was a safe call. Hey, why not give it to Sasha Question? Why not get him his second goal? And and it definitely paid off. Um, but on like a different point, who I want taking penalties, um, I don't know why he doesn't take it. I want Jonathan Dos Santos. I think that he took it in 2019 when when Slaton was out. Um, I just I, I want him to take penalties. I well, he was he wasn't available for this I game. Know, I, know. <laughs> I know, I know. Just taking in general, in general. Yeah. Whenever there's the next penalty, I want Jonathan Dos Santos because he usually scores them. That makes. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. Uh, Alex, what, what were your thoughts on uh, Sasha taking the penalty? Um, yeah, I liked it from a leadership standpoint. Like uh, Micah mentioned, you know, Chicharito is just like humble enough to say, be like, hey, you know, take this, you know, and, and rightfully so, you know, Chicharito doesn't have a good track record when it comes to penalty shots. So he made the wisest choice and letting uh, somebody else take it, you know, like uh, Michael mentioned, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos is pretty good penalty taker from what I've seen with him and the Mexican national team. And also looking at some records when he was at a, uh, um, if I'm correct, via Real for a little bit, he was really good from the penalty spot there for them. Um, but I, I like that Chicharito was like, hey, you know, I, I got to put this to a side. You know, I at least drew the penalty. You know, let me give it to Kleschen, you know, here. You know, MLS veteran, you know, he's been in the league for a while. 
So he can get his second goal. And just overall, I'm glad that, you know, he had the, like I mentioned, the humbleness to do it because I know if that was Latan, nobody's going there to challenge him and say, don't take <laughs> it, you know. Nobody's going to have the courage to tell him that. But with Chicharito, it's a different story. And I think that's a good thing to see, you know, because like uh, a lot of the other players have mentioned, you know, when they were with Zlatan, they would get scared of him. Like they were, they, they thought he was like, not menacing, but like, you know, for them, you know, they were scared to mess up in front of him. They were scared to, you know, kind of just be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of be vulnerable with him, you know. But with Chicharito, mm-hmm. you know, obviously all he's talked about, you know, mental health and stuff like that and everything, you know, he advocates for. Um, you see that, you know, he wants to help this team improve. And I think that's a good sign to see when your star player basically say, hey, I'm going to take a back seat right here and I'll let you guys do your thing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's what you want to see from your star player. And I don't think Slatan ever missed a penalty for the Galaxy too. So I, Yeah, he uh, never did. Yeah, so even if he made it with one, it was never going to happen. But I think Chicharito has already missed that too. And I don't think he's – someone pull up a set. He, had, he hasn't scored one from since – he hasn't made a penalty since 2014, I believe. So it's, it's been a long – it's been it's been a long time, but you know it's a great that you know the leader steps up and and let someone else decide uh, to take the ball. Um, but right before half, you know, uh, the Seattle Sounders get a corner kick. Initially, I don't know if you guys if you saw this on TV, Michael, but like initially, what live the 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 ref called it. It was it was a uh, it was Galaxy ball. You know, it was Galaxy ball. Jonathan Jonathan Bomb was ready to you know to kick the ball, um, but then the ref went back and said it was a corner kick. And I, th- I thought initially it was going to be a corner kick, but it was weird for the referee just to go switch his call. Did you notice that, Alex? Uh, yeah, I was watching with my dad, and we're like, all right, he, he's because, you know, my dad comes with me to all my all matches, you know, we kind of just spent our time there. And uh, we were like, all right, Jonathan Bond's going to kick it out. And I think if I'm correct, I don't, I don't remember which player it was. I think it might have been Rui Diaz, but I think um, he kind of jumped into the same area as Jonathan Bond when he went to go up to get the ball, and that kind of caused him to lose his balance, and that's why he became a corner kick. So I felt that was kind of unfair because the player is interfering in that moment. And it's not like, you know, no player or person, I think, can recover their balance and, you know, go back like that. So I thought that was a really weird call. I didn't like it. But, hey, that's how the game went. So I can't really complain about it anymore. Micah, did you did you, did you notice that? Did you notice that while watching the game at home or no? Yeah, um, you can just go back to my Instagram story. I was, I was so frustrated. <laughs> um, I was... You know, I, I hate when referees, they change their mind um, because I think that is basically off of the players. And, and you could see the Seattle players, they were surrounding the referee, fighting for that corner kick. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that you can't let uh, players really uh, dictate what your call is going to be. And, yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, and I, and I got the corner kick play. Uh, I'm gonna play it here, but G-Man in the chat, he says, "Correction, Slatan did miss a penalty. However, he scored off the off the deflection from the goalie. So I do got I, I do remember now that now. Um, but nevertheless, he, I think he was always gonna take him. Um, so here, here he still is, scored. That's yeah, what matters. Still, yeah, I was gonna say that he still scored. That's that's the main thing. So here is uh, Seattle's uh, first goal. That's had a big impact on the scoreline, so it'll become the story." Jean-Paul, another good delivery, header on target, Sanders a level. Jean-Paul's delivery has been superb this season, and Yemo, with an absolute bullet, has brought Seattle back to 1-1. So, I mean, this replay doesn't really show it, but, like, uh, he pretty much, Yemar just came out wide open, 
and I think there was uh, there was like a mix up there. I think I, I think Legette was the one that that was kind of caught off caught off with the play, and you know he was left wide open, and he ended up scoring a header. Um, Michael, what were your thoughts on, on this play and Seattle Sounders scoring? Yeah, and I was caught out of nowhere because you know the Galaxy rarely letting goals off of set pieces. Um, so when the ball came in and it was heading the back, and then I was like, "Oh great, now we have, now we're tied." Um, I think Kobe was the one who said that nobody marked him that that the guy just ran free into the into the penalty spot, and you know it's it's some one of those things you need to clean up, but it's better than a goal that just is 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 when a player dribbles through your whole team. So you know I can't be mad at it, but uh, well I can't be mad at it, but it's it's one one. It's a game. Yeah, and I, th- I think well, I think a lot of the frustration is that you know if if they would have marked them, it would have been different right before half. That that probably the score obviously would have been different. Alex, what were your thoughts on that play? Um, honestly, you know it really shouldn't have happened to be honest, and that's you know the thing about it. Obviously, this game really did change the game and momentum for the Sounders. You know they tied up the game going one uh, one into the half. LA Galaxy were definitely the better team in the half, making. Uh, a decent load of chances and just also we're looking dangerous like you know hey we might get a 3-0 win this time but um you know unfortunately with that goal that changed the momentum and then four minutes into the second half Rui Diaz uh gets his second gets the second goal of the game and you know that's the game winning goal for the Seattle Sounders so it just really frustrates me that the prior situation and the context of this corner is really what provoked this goal and that's the the frustrating thing like uh Michael said you know I just don't like it when referees, you know, change their mind. You know, you got to be assertive of your call the whole time because, you know, if, if you're able to change calls like that, no one's going to take you seriously as a, as a referee, you know. They're always going to go up to you and, you know, reclaim stuff and think that you're going you're gonna to overturn the previous call. But it was frustrating to see, you know. Um, me and my dad were like, this goal shouldn't have even happened, you know. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it did. And ultimately, it was a turning point of the game for the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, it was because they, you know, they caught, they, they, there was a couple of shots even before the game. I think Christian Rodon had a couple of shots, but Jonathan Bond was there. I think Jonathan Bond had like another save early in the first half. Um, but he was he obviously he did his job. But I mean, there's nothing he can do when the when a player is wide open like this, right? And he, and he just scores the ball. And I think for for the Galaxy is like you don't want to give up a goal. You just don't want to give up a goal anytime. But also on the, on the set piece which was unfortunate just going into a half. And I think that's, that's what maybe kind of stung a little bit because, you know, they're, they're Seattle did a great job with the movement on, on the set piece. And, and you just kind of see, I think we really got to see if people didn't already know this, but they, they, you got to see the maturity of the Seattle Sounders and what a unit a collective unit looks like, you know, they understand what they need to do. They understand um, how to make the game ugly, and they understand that, that they need to win this close game and how to win a close game. And I think, you know, the Galaxy really noticed that. And I think, you know, going into this game, I think, you know, I think we also realized that. And I kind of, yeah, I already knew that about the Sounders, but they they really kind of put on a performance of showing like, hey, you know, we are the Seattle Sounders. Uh, and, you know, this game wasn't easy for them, but but they won, won, they won a tough game. Uh, and to your point, Alex, you know, to start the second half, and I think what was like four minutes in, um, they, they, they come back and they start it off. So I, I got the second goal and then uh, we'll get into it. A long throw weapon with Kellen Rowe. And a header clear from the pew. Not fully clear though. Alex Oldon back for Kellen Rowe. Back to Alex Oldon. Gets his cross and Yemo on the plate. Christian Oldon. Ruiz is on hand. And he 
hereditary instincts of Raul Rui Diaz. And he struck to put the Sounders in front. 2-1. So that was uh, obviously the game-winning goal. Raul Rui Diaz is doing what he does uh, best there, you know, just just finding there and getting, getting tough. And obviously, I mean, Jonathan Bond, should he caught that? Yeah, maybe he should have caught that. Uh, maybe it's a tough ball. You know, he just reacted, so he, he got on hand on it. He, he initially got the first save. But I think that whole play leading up, it, it was off It was off a throw-in, but it was also, I would call that, in my mind, it, it kind of like a set piece, right? Because you can, you can run a play and everything like that. And how the ball, how easy they were, I wouldn't say easy, but how they were able to pat, get the ball through the defense like that, it, it, it was just like, I was just kind of surprised because I was like, man, the game just started and, and then they get, a, they get a goal right away. Micah, what were your thoughts on that play? Uh, yeah, the... You know, I, I, I say this all the time, but the Galaxy don't get anything easy. We don't get a lucky goal like that. We don't get the ball deflecting where anyone can just tap it in. And and then the ball and the throw-in, it all happened so fast. Um, I was surprised it didn't score in the first time, so give credit to Jonathan Bond. I thought he made a, a great save there. Um, it was just unlucky that it overflowed to, to Robert Widuiz, who, who puts it away. Um, but that obviously it changed the complexion of the game. Um, I could tell, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but from the broadcast, it seemed like the stadium was a little more quiet because the other team took the lead. Um, so it obviously was a letdown because you blew that one nothing lead you had earlier. So it's it's demoralizing. That's what it seemed like. Alex, give, give us your thoughts on that play. This was actually really interesting and kind of funny because uh, me and my dad, we love to just talk while we watch the game, you know, kind of like we're at home, you know. But instead of here, my dad was pointing, I was like, watch out for Rui Diaz. He always finds a way to get behind the defenders. You know, they turn around, they won't see him. And then like 30 seconds later, you know, he scores a goal. And exactly like my dad mentioned, you know, getting behind the defenders and basically kind of, you know, moving into those spaces, a Chicharito-esque type goal, you know, getting kind of that tap in. And um, I, I don't really blame this too much on the Galaxy defense, but more just the, the player that is Raul Rui Diaz, you know. He's a smart, intelligent player when it comes to his runs, you know. Jonathan Bond made a good save there initially, but just the reaction time of the Galaxy just wasn't there. And it was there for Raul Rui Diaz, who, you know, is a great striker, arguably probably one of the best, the best, arguably the best striker in MLS, you know. So I, I'm, I, I think Seattle did really good in their play to get that goal breaking down that defense, and then Rui Diaz is just there to, you know, pounce on the ball, and that's a game-winning goal. Yeah, game-winning goal, and uh, I think he just tied Chicharito for the for the, for yep. the golden boot race. So what is it, seven now? They're t- both yeah, both have seven. seven. So, um, you know, and, that, and that, that's the type of goal that Chicharito tends to score, and that's the type of goals that, you know, Raul Rui Diaz uh, tends to score. So it's like, and I'm with you, it's more on the effort of Raul Rui Diaz because he is determined to score. He was determined. I know I had Nico who covers the Seattle Sounders. He's like, watch out for Raul Rui Diaz. If you if you already didn't know, right? But he said he was extra motivated. One, because he didn't get called up for Copa America for Peru oh, yeah. for, for whatever reason. And two, he, he also mentioned that he he's coming for the golden boot. So, it's I mean, it's tough competition, but, you know, obviously he, he showed up and scored uh, in, in this big game for them. I think for me, when that happens, I was just like, okay, look, they scored. It was early enough. How does the Galaxy bounce back into this game? You're right. How, how do you, are you going to come? What are the substitutions? Because I was expecting substitutions. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. the substitutions did not happen uh, 
typically when we were used to from Greg Vanny, they're around the 60th, 65th, 65th minute. I thought that was interesting because I, you know, I, I was I was surprised by that. Uh, Michael, give me give me your thoughts on um, on Greg Vanny and and the late substitutions that he did. Yeah, Greg Vanny, he definitely needed to make substitutions quicker. I don't think that anybody's gonna disagree with that. Um, and and after that, I would have brought on Grancier. I would have brought on Zubak because those players in the past have changed the complexion of this game in almost an instant with Miami and then uh, San Jose. Um, but it's it's definitely. I don't know if it's a question, but it's just like Greg Vanny, you have to you have to learn how to make those those adjustments. And we've seen him do that, so why didn't he do it here? And so I don't know. I don't know. It it confused me. Yeah, no, it it was very it was very confusing. I think, you know, either he got too into the game or I know after the game he said that the that the that the guys were having a great run. I think he was talking about F run them he he mentioned that they were doing a great job that you know he wanted to leave them in there a little bit more but i think outside looking in right you could tell they needed a sub and they needed a sub a lot sooner alex what were your thoughts yeah um it's something that you know under Guillermo Barcelotto would be really criticized you know his late substitution into the 85th minute making basically the players can't get into a rhythm of the game and can not really make an impact within the limited time you know, I thought maybe, you know, obviously Daniel Starris had to get subbed off because he was injured. I understand that, you know. You could put in Adam Saldana in for Sebastian Legette. I thought Legette kind of had some fatigue in his legs, you know, obviously participating in the Nations League and, you know, playing in the friendlies for the USMNT. You know, I thought Saldana could have brought something else off the bench. I thought he played well off the bench against San Jose. Micah mentioned Granzier and Zubak both have made impacts in the past this year. You know, Granzier forced the own goal and Zubak, obviously, in the opening match really opened up the game a lot more for Chicharito. And, you know, understandably so, you know, you want to keep some of the players who are doing well and who you want to get into a rhythm because this is going to be kind of a three-game stretch for the Galaxy in one week. So you kind of do want to keep some of the players in the rhythm. But I thought it was kind of questionable too because you also want to make sure that, you know, they're not too fatigued when it comes to Wednesday's match as well. I would have put in a sub maybe around the 70th minute, you know, probably earliest, maybe like 65th, you know, just to get somebody else running around, you know, Granzier didn't have enough time to make an impact, even though he did have that one chance later on in the match. But unfortunately, I think just Greg Vandy loves to overthink when it comes to facing Seattle and just Brian Schmetzer in general. You know, he has that history with the, the Seattle Sounders when he was the coach of Toronto, you know, facing off three times in the MLS Cup final, you know. And Schmetzer, I would say, has gotten the best of him, you know, even if Vanny had won that one title with Toronto. Um, I, I just think, you know, kind of like how Pep Guardiola does in big games, you know, just likes to likes to experiment too much and see if this will work or not. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, we'll go back to seeing the regular formation. I just think Vanny's just kind of like that when it comes to Brian Schmetzer and the Seattle Sounders. Look at you comparing Greg Vanny to, to Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola. This is where people either tune in or turn turn it up. <laughs> turn up, turn up if they're listening to the podcast. No, I'm with you. I think I think Greg Vanny does tend to sometimes overthink his his um his lineups with with the LA, excuse me against the Seattle Sounders. He's done it. He's done it two times. Um, maybe because he doesn't want Smetcher to necessarily game plan. But I, to me, it was like I didn't see the second half adjustments. You know, like switch up the lineup. Hey, let's put Kevin Cabral out wide. You know, let's take Efron out. Let's put that Victor Vasquez in the middle, right? Let, let's go with the you know the four three two one or you know or, or the t- that type of lineup we're used to, and you know and bring or bringing Zubak in. But it, the the first sub didn't come into what. What was it the 79th minute? 
Uh, Fain Alvarez was subbed out for Samuel Grancer. Um, so I, I felt like that was a little, little too late. And then, you know, then you bring Ethan Zubak in the 90th minute for legit, and then Cameron Darmbar in the 90th minute, 91st. So it's like, what? There's no impact those guys can have. You know what I'm saying? There's there's literally no impact they, they can have. And we're so used to uh, Greg Vanny doing the substitutions, switching formation at, at halftime or, you know, in the 60th minute, you know, going switching. And we didn't really see that this game. Maybe he really felt like what they were doing was working. I feel like it was to, 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 to the first half, but – it, it, the second half was a different game once once you go down two one and I think those subs needed to needed to come back needed to come in sooner. You needed to have different you know different blood. You know Samuel Grancer, you know he 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 got he was getting on a roll. Um, you know right at right after the San Jose Earthquakes uh, game, you know obviously he was able to score or create that chance to score for that. But unfortunately, um, it, it didn't happen. And I think you know moving forward, I think uh, I don't I haven't looked far down the schedule. I don't know if they play them again. But uh, I think that this is what I, I'm uh, I'm uh, see how Greg Vanny goes moving forward because if you want to win a championship like they've talked about, you know, Seattle Sounders is a team to beat in the Western Conference. There's there's no right, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's becoming more and more clear. But I think sometimes when you face a team like this, I, you you got to have your best weapons. And on top of that, Kevin Cabral didn't even show up. And I think part of that was on the second half was because he was out of position, you know, he, he needs to be a winger, you know, and I, I felt like that, uh, that kind of hurt the galaxy because you, you didn't get the versatility or, or the explosiveness of, uh, of, of uh, Kevin Cabral and what you expected to impact the game. And I think it got, it got just a little tricky, but before we get into, uh, into more of the game, I, w- I do want to talk about a, a, a positive in this game, which was Joel Araujo. Micah, give me, give me your thoughts on Joel Araujo and the, and the game he had. Yeah, um, Julian Araujo, uh, ever since the first first two or three games, he's really stepped up his game big time. Um, and you could just see him in this game terrorizing that whole whole left side that was coming down by Seattle. It was it was, it was good to watch. Um, you knew that nothing was going to get by that side. Um, but Julian Araujo, what a great performance he had. Um, and it makes you wonder, hey, is that – Premier League team going to be searching for Julian Rajo this summer. Did his value go up in the national team? And Julian Rajo, uh, he's, he's, he's just turned into such a great uh, right back in this league. And and definitely he's going to have a bright future for for whichever team he goes to. Yeah, I know. It was, it was amazing to see his runs, you know, him getting, you know, to the open field and, you know, being an attacker, picking his spots a lot better. Alex, give me your thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, Julian Barajo has just matured so much as a player, you know, um, obviously seeing him, you know, kind of deal with the disappointment of not qualifying for the Olympics with the U.S., you know, kind of took a toll on him in the first couple of games, you know, against New York, he wasn't sharp, you know, and then, you know, picked it up against LAFC where they really needed him. And he ultimately, I think, was the reason why the Galaxy Roboto went out that game and just not allow LAFC to be dangerous for most of the half of the second half. But, yeah, like Micah said, you know, teams from Europe are going to look at this. You know, he's talking about, yeah, teams are looking at me, you know. I don't know about the national team because there's a load of right backs for them. You know, you have Serginho Dest, Reggie Cannon, DeAndre Yedlin. You know, Julian Rajo is probably like the fourth or fifth best right back, you know. So there's competition there as well. But ultimately, I think he probably will get a move to Europe soon. I'm pretty sure if it's not this summer, definitely next summer. But um, 
yeah, just like I mentioned, you know, in the articles that I've written for LA Soccer Hub, you know, appreciate him while he's here. You know, he he's he's got a bright future ahead of him for sure, and you can see it in the maturity of his play and just him as a person as well. You know, he's got a bright future ahead, and I just can't wait to see what he can do. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. I love his game, and I think we're we're seeing Joe Naranjo's game mature. You know, we're seeing because we know the defensive. Things were there. The physicality was there. I think just to me, just some of the offensive things and how he's able to beat defenders, how he's able to get those cross, right? The first cross that Chicharito hit off the crossbar was because he was the one that, that ended up passing the ball in. And I think, you know, I think he's learned a lot more through Greg Vanny and the coaching staff. And, and, you know, I think Greg Vanny had talked about that, like teaching him when to pick, when to pick his spots, when to go up and stuff, you know, when, and you see in this game, obviously against the best team in MLS, you really got, I I feel like I really got to see Julian understand the game a lot better. Like the game started to slow down for him a, a little bit better. Understand. Okay. I know Chicho wants the ball here. I know if I cross this, like, you know, you're starting to see that. And, you know, to the point, obviously, teams are looking at him. Obviously, he should get to move to Europe. I don't know if it will happen this summer. Um, I know I was talking with the guys yesterday. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that happened. I know they, they do got O'Neill Fisher if that does happen. But I think there there is – if he's if he is to finish out the season with the LA Galaxy, I think it's only going to help him. I think if he is able to finish out the season with the Galaxy and where he ends up moving uh, either – if it happens now, which I which I don't I don't sense that happening right now, but if it happens, I think maybe at the end of the year, I think it, it really help him out because he, you're you're seeing him mature, you're seeing him grow, you're seeing him that, and I think he needs maybe this one more season, full season with the LA Galaxy to get more assistant, get more experience, and then bam, you make you make the jump over. Um, I think to, it'll kind of be like uh, how Alphonso Davies had him when he went to Bayern. You know, they made him stay for the rest of the year, you know, yep. one more season, and then he was, transferred over to Bayern, you know. I don't want to get the Araujo, Alfonso Davies comparisons going, but, you know, that I feel like that the, move no, no, right no. there would work for not only the Galaxy, but also Araujo as well, you know, just so, you know, he can concentrate on one thing, and then just and then once that's done, you know, just concentrate on going to Europe. I think that makes the logical sense for the Galaxy. If they do end up getting into negotiations with other clubs in Europe, you know, that's the deal that they should be approaching with. Yeah, no, I was I was just gonna hit on that point too. Is and we've seen that from a number of MLS players now. Like you know, hey, I think Brendan Brendan Aronson had had a similar deal. If I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I like that. Like, hey, he's gonna come to wherever he goes to, but he can finish out the year with the LA Galaxy, and after the season, he ends up he ends up moving, um, which is great. And I think that that's what I think the Galaxy should uh, should pursue if that's an option for them and for Joe Araujo. Um, quickly in the chat, Victor, uh, G-Man says that Victor Vasquez did compare Van, Greg Vanny to Pep Guardiola. He did it during uh, the Galaxy Guys interview. So, hey, there you go, Alex. He did play under Guardiola. So, I mean, yeah, he kind of kind of can do that, you know, especially when yeah, he he, he, he can say he, – he, he definitely can say that. Uh, and, and then, look, there, there's fair to, there, definitely fair to say. Uh, another player, another defender that played pretty good was Sega Koulibaly. Micah, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, coming in this game, you don't know how Sega is going to react um, to to debuting in MLS versus MLS attackers. Um, but I thought he did a fairly good job. He didn't he didn't make any big blunders. Um, but I think it was similar to how Derek Williams debuted in in Seattle. It was it, it wasn't like a great performance, but it was a good enough performance to get you through a game. And he didn't um, he didn't have a bad game at all. I'm not trying to say that. 
Um, but there are some things that he needs to work at. I think he struggled whenever the balls would come in. Um, him and Depew, I don't know if it was communication issues, but like they always seemed like they were hesitating when uh, like who's going to head the ball out and who's going to who's going to react first to that ball. So Sega, he had a really good debut. Um, don't get that wrong. Um, he's going to be a great great um, tool in the future, but I don't know if it's if it's the chemistry with him and Depew. He just needs a a partner who's strong. So I'm looking forward to that. Derek Williams, Sega Kulabali, whenever they get back, they're going to be a dangerous duo. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a big physical body, you know, and I, I think he had he had a pretty solid game for for being his first game, and especially against the Seattle Sounders. I think if there is some mix ups, there's some communication. He's only had a few weeks with with the team, but what I saw on the field, I really liked. He was he was one of, he was another player that really stood out for me and his performance and how he was able. He even got into the attack a couple of times too. We we got to see how versatile he could really be. Oh yeah, Alex, Alex, give us your thoughts. Yeah, um, for the whole game, you know, I was really paying attention to Sayo Kulabali. You know, I had a good view. Um, in the in the second half of the defensive shaping, you know, uh, Gio, just like you mentioned right now, him going into the attack, yeah, he'd love to do that. I remember, you know, it'd be him and Legit kind of switching places. You know, Legit would come back and cover for him, be next to Depew to be kind of like that second center back as Kulabali would go up. Kulabali was asking for the ball, like I would say a decent amount. You know, he looked comfortable with the ball at his feet, and that's something that I really like, especially when if the team really wants to just keep focusing on playing out of the back because Bond. Williams and Kulabali are all really good players with their feet. And that's what you want to see, you know, um, with, with the new players that we brought in. And especially just the way that soccer's moving in general, you know. You're seeing a lot of the top clubs in Europe and around the world really just start playing out of the back. And I think this trend's probably continue and into MLS as well. And overall, I thought he was good. He's physical as well. That late, uh, he had a, like a late foul on Will Bruin. I thought Will Bruin was soft and selling it, you know. He just put in his body, shielding the ball, and Will Bruin was just diving out there, you know, like a crazy person. But um, overall, you know, there's still improvement. You know, obviously he needs to work on aerial ability. Like uh, Micah mentioned, I think there was a hesitancy between uh, Depew and Koulibaly. Both are, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't meant to play it with Nick Depew, you know. Daniel Stearns was supposed to be there, and obviously uh, Koulibaly didn't know to step up in the moment or not, so I kind of understand about that. He's a big dude. Um, I think later on, uh, the Sounders had a chance, um, but Koulibaly was able to deflect the ball out and kind of just helped out on that end of uh, the floor. So it was really good to see. And just like Micah said, you know, not nothing to knock your socks off, but it's a good start. And it looks like, you know, he's got a bright future ahead with the Galaxy. And, um, everything you want you you wanted to see in Sega Koulibaly, you saw on Saturday night. Yeah, no, you, you definitely did. I didn't think it's only going to get better for there. It's going to be a quick turnaround because uh, here on Wednesday. But before we get to Wednesday's game, <clears throat> I want to uh, I want to talk about. Uh, looks like Ray Ryan Ralvuson is a tongue twister. It looks like he, he's been able to secure his visa. There was a there was an Instagram post. I think you, some of you guys posted it on there. Well, there was his agent. I don't know who the guy was, but like he's looked like he secured his visa. And he also was posted. He was posted with the the number six jersey, so he's going to be wearing uh, the number six jersey for the LA Galaxy. So I expect he would be with the team by the end of the week, uh, potentially. Um, so that, that's going to be good. You know, you you got, you got your what your defensive midfielder right there. Um, you know, and that, I think that's what what the Galaxy. You know, adding another piece. It looks like you know it just the Galaxy adding more and more pieces. Now you just got to get them all together. Uh, Michael, what are your thoughts on on that news? Um, obviously it's great news that he's in the country finally, or not in the country, but he's secured his, um, visa 
required to enter the country. So that's good news for all Galaxy fans. But, you know, I'm really excited to see him on the field. I don't know if next weekend is in the realm of possibilities, but, um, you know, we, we obviously need depth in that midfield, and we want him to be that center defensive midfielder um, that we've been looking for. Uh, so really just good news. Um, Ravellison is kind of like, is he going to adapt to the physicality? Because I, all those French additions that they've added, um, they they haven't really adapted well to the physicality of MLS. Um, we talk about Grants here and um, Cabral. So I hope Ravellison really embraces that, really is physical, really isn't afraid to, to foul, commit serious fouls. Um, and, and I can't wait to see him on the field because we're going to need him. <laughs> yeah, that definitely need that. And uh, you make a great point because – uh, I would say Sega is probably the only one that that's that's shown. I mean, he has he has a bigger body than you know over Samuel Granser and Kevin Cabral, but yeah, I, I think you wanted us uh, defensive midfield that you know it's going to be very aggressive, but that that's yet to be seen. But uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on this news? Uh, yeah, I like to see it. Obviously, you know, with COVID and everything, just this whole process of getting your visa, it's taking a really long time, and you know, we saw that with Kevin Cabral. Um, Samuel Granger, we didn't see as much because he was signed earlier in the year. With Kem Cabral, you did see it. You know, it took a while to get here. And then now with Sega Kulabali, you know, uh, I think he was, like, announced probably, like, maybe a month and a half ago. And now he's finally here, you know. So I'm glad to see uh, Revelson has finally, you know, got his visa, you know, got his number. And I'm just excited to see him soon. Hopefully, like Mike has said, uh, this uh, upcoming weekend, you know, maybe he makes an appearance, whether it be starting or off the bench, you know. But I'm excited to see him, you know. I I – I used to play defensive midfielder when I played in AYSO, and I can tell you it's a really tough job, you know, just trying to figure out, do I do this tackle here, there? You know, where do you want to be when it comes to the build of play of the game? So I think it's going to be in the central piece of the Galaxy. I really want to make a good playoff run. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be interesting. We have a great question. G-Man just dropped a great question here. I'll pass this to you, Michael, first. Um, he says, do you guys think the Frenchies are under, 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 underestimating the MLS rather than not being able to handle the physicality? And then he adds, Iguain thought he could come to the MLS with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> it's true. Um, to, to answer that question, um, you know, I don't think they've underestimated it. I think that if you talk to most European players, they think that MLS is a very important league. It's very um, difficult. Um, and they're they're willing to admit that. Um, you saw Higuain come out the other day, of course. Um, Cabral, I don't think that Cabral grants here, all those additions, I don't think they've underestimated it. I think they've just kind of, you know, they haven't been ready as they should be. Um, you know, Cabral, you, everyone likes to compare him to Christian Pavone. He's not Christian Pavone, but Pavone, he made an immediate impact. He was used to that physicality. So... Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there is something there to that. Maybe they do underestimate it, but they, you know, it, it's it's really difficult for, for a player to adapt. And I completely understand both sides, whether they're a Pavone who just jumps in or whether they're a Cabral and Grincy who just takes their time to adapt to the physicality. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I think uh, it's never, I don't, I don't think anybody should ever compare Cabral to Pavone uh, because that, two different players and, you know, obviously one's a little bit more experienced, but Alex, what, what are your thoughts on, on the question? Do you think they're underestimating the physicality? Um, I wouldn't say so. They're underestimating. 
you know, the biggest difference between all the franchises that the Galaxy have and Gonzalo Higuain is that Higuain, you know, was a big name in world football, you know. Everybody knew Higuain from whether it be Napoli, Real Madrid, and even Juventus, you know. He had that pedigree of being a top striker in Europe, you know, and obviously kind of when you're elevated to that status and you're seen as, you know, one of the top strikers um, in your country and in Europe, you know, you're kind of going to have that ego when it comes to going to MLS, you know, which kind of like, unfortunately has been dubbed that kind of retirement league, kind of like the Chinese Super League uh, a bit as well, especially since they are getting a lot of older players um, as well. And I think the the franchise on the Galaxy, you know, they're, they're willing to prove, you know, because they haven't proven much yet, you know. They came from the second division of France, you know. Not much people, you know, unfortunately are paying attention to the second division of France, you know. They want to come here to MLS, you know. This is their chance to get quality minutes, you know. Grandier couldn't get that when he was at Monaco. That's why he was constantly being loaned out to other clubs. And now that he's, you know, a starter, he started off the season as a starter for the Galaxy. You know, he's got to take on that challenge now. And I feel like he's still trying to adapt to that because he hasn't really been used to that, being at the club that he was with. You know, Monaco, they kept loaning him out, trying to get him minutes. But now with the Galaxy, he's, he's definitely a starter. And he is that starter caliber talent on the Galaxy. Cabral as well is really young and I don't understand why people compare him and Christian Pavon. They're two different players. They came from two different countries that play football in two different ways. You know, stop comparing those those two together. You know, it just doesn't go well. And with Cabral, you know, he's still obviously, you know, couldn't prove it because he was playing out of position. But I thought, you know, when he was in position as a winger, he he proved that, hey, I can go by defenders and I can do my thing. Obviously, Koulibaly, you know, is a big dude. He's, he can get physical and the jury's still out on him yet. I don't think we can really make a decisive decision on whether he's been good or bad. Just because, you know, he's only played 90 minutes. He's only played one game. And obviously still with uh, Revelson, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. But I think the Frenchies from the Galaxy don't really have an, like an ego like Iguain did when they come to MLS. I feel like they're more ready to kind of just prove it. And I think that's their mentality more over an Iguain who was an established striker in the world soccer. Yeah, no, I mean, very, very, very great, great points there and great question by G-Man. And I'm with you. I think... Iguain is, is a different story because he was a superstar at one point, right? Number a striker. Kevin Cabral, uh, he's still young. And I think on top of that, he hasn't been a year in like Iguain has been with, with Inter Miami, right? To really understand. He's only been here a couple of weeks, right? So to me, I, I, I know they haven't really scored, they haven't scored, right? But I think it's still too early because, you know, and I know everybody wants, uh, wants, um, results now uh, i'm with i'm I'm in the same mindset but i think you you got to give these players a little bit more because they're still these guys don't even talk english right they're still getting adjusted to that and i'm not, I'm not trying to make that an excuse but i think there's there, you still got to be a little bit more patient with those those guys because they're still they're still young and it doesn't look bad it's not it's not it's not with them that they're like oh man they really he really cost us a game or like you know what i'm saying it's more of like okay we see that it's there Maybe Greg Vanny put a uh, couple out of position and Vanny probably didn't put Greg Grant Sir in enough. It to, uh, he should have probably subbed him in a lot earlier. He probably should have, if it was Ephra, he should have uh, subbed out Ephraim a lot earlier and actually let, uh, you know, Grant Sir get, uh, get adjusted to the game, you know, and, and be it more of an impact. I think it's more on that in this game. And I think it, it was more a little bit of Greg Vanny overthinking it because I think if we would have had Cabral on the left side, 
right? We, we can just talk about that. You would have saw a different side of Cabral. You would have saw him, you know, he didn't, he wouldn't have to go up with the center backs essentially every single time, right? He would be able to be out on the wing and, and win that, and win that game. He doesn't, maybe you don't need to be as physical as a wing. You don't need to be like, you just got to be quick and be, you know, be able to be uh, versatile and stuff like that. But unfortunately, Kevin Cabral wasn't able to see that, wasn't able to do that. And I know that's like uh, Grand Serum was an impact wasn't able to impact the game it's kind of hard to impact the game when you only got 10 minutes right it's, it's really hard and yeah no one should ever compare uh pavone to to kevin cabal uh, no one should ever do that pavone is pavone pavone is a world-class player you got to play in argentina he's playing with boca juniors uh i would you know he, he he's a superstar when it comes to the mls but uh, but unfortunately those comparisons shouldn't be there two different players like you said alex two different uh um countries and two different playing styles but i think cabal can be an effective winger to this team. It's just going to take a little bit more time. But if you're trying to win a championship, it has to happen a lot sooner. And I think it can't. And I think it will happen. I think it, it'll give it a couple more games. Right now, it was a, it was a tough loss, but it was never like, oh yeah, they were completely out of this game. They didn't have a single shot like like the first game. It was just that tactically, Brian Smetcher just uh, just did a little bit more than than, than unfortunately Greg Vanny, and you know just came down to a couple. You know, it came down to Rudy Diaz. Just wanting the ball a little bit more and, and being that that's essentially what it came down to. But tough loss, but I think also that you gotta learn a lot. And I wanna play this clip from Chicharito uh after the game. No, a lot, a lot. I mean I'm very disappointed and we all should be, but I think I mean it doesn't matter what I'm gonna say because we lost in the end, but I think we were a much better team. We had more chances, we controlled better the team. And then in, do, in just in two, three set pieces we saw the rep one that Bundy saved as well, it was a set piece. I mean, the, the, the only thing we need to, to improve is experience. Experience comes with time, so we cannot improve that because there's a lot of players that are playing first, second seasons, third seasons in the MLA. So we all need to grow. We all need to improve. That's, that's clear. But, well, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's the, the best thing that Seattle has. That is experience. That they know the IQ about the game, how to take advantage, how to create spaces, time. You can see many fouls the referee give them apart from my point of view they're not fouls but they're experienced so we all need to improve that we will not we will not we all need to to know how to manage the games because at least a draw over here will be fine you know and then in two set pieces when we lost a little bit of focus we we just give the game away uh taking steps in the right direction but lastly oh. how did it feel to play in front of this crowd tonight so i mean i mean uh I didn't mean to cut that in research, but like I think he made it great. I mean, Chicharito made a great point. He understood that the Sounders are a mature team, and he says, you know, he, he talks about like you know, players are playing their first season. You know, to to the question that was asked, you know, Cabral's, you know, Cabral's saying they're playing their first seasons. You know, so they also understand that like you look at a finished product essentially with the Seattle Sounders, right? The Galaxy can get there, but the, if they want to get there this year, there a lot of things are are going to have to happen. But I, I thought it was great. Chicharito uh, addressing that and saying that because he realized like, look, the, this is the better team. They are a better team. They they know how to manage the game. They know how, how to do a couple of different things. But uh, I don't I, I don't know. I, I just really like that because he you know he obviously is upset, but he understands that like, hey, we we got a little bit a long a long ways to go. But Michael, what were your thoughts on Chicharito there? Yeah, and and if you couldn't get behind Chicharito, um, that is that is exactly why you should. He was. Very motivational, of course, he is after every Galaxy game. Um, yeah, Javier Hernandez is, is is a great role model. And I think people should look up to him. He's definitely humbled himself um, after a terrible season. And he, he's speaking the truth about this Galaxy team. 
because he see this team at this at the lowest last year, and now we see him at you know we're we're gonna see them at the highest soon, hopefully. Um, but definitely the Galaxy are are getting there, and and Chicharito understands the process, and he's 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 talking about that, and that's very important. Yeah, Alex, give, give me your give me your thoughts on, on what you heard from Chicharito there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything he said. You know, um, Seattle, when it comes to all of MLS, Seattle is is the bar. You know, when you're talking about what kind of expectations, what you want to see from your team if you want to be successful, because this team is you know has been contenders for MLS Cup for like past four or five years, right? You know, they're experienced, very well coached, well structured. You know, they do their job well, and that's what matters. And Chicharito mentions too, you know, most of these guys are in their first year yet. They're starting to learn that structure barely and barely, you know, it takes time for them to get, you know, engraved into their heads. Obviously, you know, some players like Cabral, Grandier, you know, aren't too fluent in the language yet, you know, so they're also, you know, learning, taking on that challenge as well. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be patient with this team, you know, obviously, you know, people are very impatient, you know, they want to see results now, now, you know, we saw that with Chicharito when he got off to that really, really hot start, you know, people were excited. You know, now that he's cooled down, you know, it's normal. You know, strikers aren't going to score every game. You know, like Robert Lewandowski's had a good year, but he hasn't scored in every single game, you know, for Bayern Munich this year. Um, just people just got to be patient with this team. You know, Vanny's still trying to figure things out. We still have another player on the way. You know, we just got a new player into the lineup this past weekend. So there's a lot of waiting that needs to be done with this team. And Chidorito wisely says, you know, we just need experience. And that's really what the Galaxy are lacking compared to all, all the other teams, top teams. In the Western Conference, yeah, and the, and the great point. There's nothing you can speed up. You can't speed up experience. It just happens with time, right? So it's gonna, it's going to take a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we could definitely hit on everything. Uh, just final point. Obviously, the Galaxy travel to it's a well, Rio Tinto Stadium. They, they're playing Salt Lake, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps on Wednesday. So that you know, the, the Wednesday games are starting to pop up now. Um, obviously, you know, that you want it's a very winnable game for, for the other Galaxy. Uh, for them to get the three points. What are your thoughts on going into this game, Micah? Um, yeah, going to Vancouver, going to Rio Tinto, it's never it's never easy because those teams play the Galaxy always very hard. Um, so your expectations for, for this upcoming game and next weekend should be six points. But, you know, I don't think that's going to be happening. I don't think they all see – are going to do bad, but I don't think they're going to be do good that good. So four points, I think, is reasonable. Um, you're talking about specifically Vancouver. Well, it's um, one game, one game, one game. Oh, the Whitecaps, yeah, yeah. The, White, the Whitecaps are playing. I don't mean to confuse you. They're playing at Rio Tinto Stadium. I think they're playing at RSL. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get that. Um, um, so you, prediction. You want a prediction or no? Yeah, prediction. Are they going to win uh, or no? It, on a good day, yes, the Galaxy will win. But on the Galaxy, <laughs> they will tie. Um, tie on the road. It'll be a boring game. I'm not going to go bold predictions anymore. Okay. No, hey, there's, hey, there's nothing wrong. If, if that's what you get to telling you, that there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Alex, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this game and, and prediction? Um, You know, Vancouver right now in a really bad run of form. You know, gave up two goals in uh, extra time. Lost against, if I'm correct, if, who did they lose to? Was it Real Salt Lake? I'm not, I'm not sure who they played. Sorry about that. <laughs> But uh, um, what's it called? I think the Galaxy, this is a perfect time for them to bounce back and perfect time to really kind of just, you know, put themselves back into, you know, being a top three team in the Western Conference at the moment. So I can see them winning 2-0 easily. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, this is a very winnable game for for the LA Galaxy. You know, <clears throat> Grantster didn't get to play that much. I mean, there's, there's, there's. I mean, you're gonna have some fresh legs, so you're also gonna want to rotate a lot of players because you also got a game uh, this coming weekend as well. So, we'll see what happens on, on Wednesday. We expect a, a good game from the other galaxy. So, guys, that's gonna wrap things up for us. Uh, thank you for everybody that that tuned in, um, and every, everybody that commented on the chat. So, uh, I, I, Michael, let the people know where they can follow you. Uh, yes, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Everything LA Galaxy. I'll respond to anything you tell me. Anything positive, right? <laughs> anything positive. <laughs> uh, Alex, let the people know where they can follow you. Uh, yeah, at Total LA Galaxy on Instagram and Twitter. You know, we get very active giving you guys the best and just earliest news that we can uh, surrounding the Galaxy and also two X players as well, you know. And just obviously, you know, you fans as well, letting you guys know information for, you know, like tailgates and all that stuff as well. So follow us. We're really active and post up on our stories a lot. So you're definitely going to be getting that coverage like it's being catered to you on your Instagram feed. So follow us at Total LA Galaxy. And you also, Alex, you also, you also started writing articles for, for us, yeah, you know, started, covering the Galaxy. Yeah, I started covering the Galaxy for LA Soccer Hub. Really excited about it. And, you know, I just love writing. And especially when it comes to my favorite team, you know, I, I'm not, it's not something I dread. It's something I enjoy. So I'm glad I have this opportunity to just write. So, yeah, just, you know, visit LASoccerHub.com. You guys can keep up with uh, just uh, game reviews, previews, opinion pieces about the LA Galaxy, everything you guys you know, want about the LA Galaxy, you want to read, you know, whether it be you sitting on the toilet or just you chilling <laughs> on the couch, you know, there's going to be some content for you to read on at, at LASoccerHub.com. Yeah, no, so Alex doing a great job. He's, he's right now writing all the articles uh, for for out in the LA Galaxy tab. So definitely give it a read, guys. Um, if you guys are listening to the podcast, make sure to join us on Monday night at 7 p.m. Uh, we go for about an hour we went over a little bit today. But, yeah, if you guys want to join us here on the live stream, you can hop on on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Join us here on LA Soccer Hub. And if you guys want to follow me, you guys can follow me at Gio Garcia LA on Twitter. So that's going to wrap things up. Uh, appreciate you, fellas. You know, thank you for being on. Got a, got a young crew, but they definitely know their stuff. So for Micah and Alex, this is Gio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>